0: Radio. I'm Gina Gonello Joined, can't get my words out today, guys, by Chris and Adam. And guys, I think this one is gonna be a pretty uh easy one to go through because I think we're both we're all really disappointed with the way things went, but uh I guess we gotta start with Newcastle on this one and, and how that one went and and we'll get right into it. Uh you know, waste has been a big thing for Everton over the past a couple games, and and throughout the year, really, wasted chances, missed opportunities. And and against Newcastle, we were clearly the better team, Um, but just, again, wasted multiple big chances despite getting the one goal. Um, And, 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 I mean, on top of that, had double-digit corners before the half even ended uh, and and couldn't capitalize on any of them. This has been a problem for Everton for the entire season, but it really came to a, a... a peak here against Newcastle real quick, guys, just some comments on, on that. And just the Newcastle game in general, Adam, we'll go to you first.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I said to Chris, as, as I was watching this match, um, that even after Newcastle scored at the off, um, I wasn't really that nervous because in the first, really through most of the first half, they looked pretty good. um, and, you know, ultimately got the chance off the corner that Richarlison put away. Um, and, and then they did waste, you know, one or two other opportunities in the first half, but you felt like they'd go into the second half and, uh, and be able to do the same and they'd find a winner. And it, it, it just didn't pan out that way. Um, they just really failed to, to show up in any meaningful way in the attack for, for the entire second half. And then, you know, as, as we'll talk about that kind of, carried over to the Watford match and it's it's a troubling trend that we're seeing at this point
2: yeah and in the Newcastle match it wasn't so much that they didn't create anything it's just that nothing went in I mean I think of uh, Sigurdsson's point-blank chance that I think got blocked by one of Newcastle's um, anonymous defenders that was really high in terms of its expected goals opportunity and then um, you know we can talk about the chance that Chink Tosun had where he gets on the end of I think Denier's cross and just it goes right into Dubrovka, but that one's not that upsetting. The one that sticks out to me is where Walcott gets sent over the top of the defense and, you know, with somebody of Theo's pace and ability and experience, you think, okay, we're going to get a chance out of this. And poor guy, he'd look like he wanted to do anything but shoot that ball. He just kind of slowed up and turned around and the attack kind of fizzled out. And it, it just seems to me like everybody except for Richarlison and, Guilty to some extent are just inside their own heads right now.
1: Yeah, and you know, and we we've it's an interesting balance because we've seen both of the strikers, the true strikers in in Calvert Lewin and and Tozoon, um, come in a, at various points, and in some of those appearances they've looked okay, and others they've they've been pretty you know mediocre. Obviously, both those guys scored in uh, in the Crystal Palace match which I think is kind of an interesting point of reference when we're talking about what happened uh, yesterday against against Watford and and last week against Newcastle because that Palace match was really pretty similar to what we saw in a lot of these these two matches in a lot of ways that you knew we had the superior talent out there but the attack was just not clicking in a meaningful way. Um, and we again, in the last 10 minutes of that palace match, uh, Silva made substitutions that, that changed things and, and brought on the strikers to, to, uh, play through them rather than solely through, through the wide areas. And that was kind of what, what changed fortunes. You know, in, in these matches, we've seen the lineups that Silva has come out with work for periods. And then when they don't, we're kind of out of ideas into what plan B looks like.
2: And I th- I think that's right, and I think against Newcastle, especially you, we, you, it was a detriment at the beginning where you have this set of attacking four who had not worked together before in any meaningful way. I mean, obviously they trained together, but you throw um, Chink and Adam Lookman in there for um, Bernard and Walcott, and you know, while in, on paper that looks like it's probably the best setup for Everton, in practice it's not quite that simple, and. All of a sudden, you're behind the eight ball and have to start making changes.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, like I said, the thing with the Newcastle game, I think that was so frustrating was they went behind early, and you felt like, you know, okay, we're, we're still doing all right. And in that that five or ten minutes after the the Newcastle goal, you felt like that group of players, which was a, a, a front four, you know, uh, Chank up top, Richarlison left, Guilfi center, on um, at a right that that we had asked for that we had really been been hoping would be the case when we talked about it before this match uh and for that 5 or 10 minutes it looked like exactly what we hoped it would look like they got a goal and then nothing worked again the rest of the game um so you know i i i have my my theories on on part of what that issue is and we can talk about that more as as we go on especially uh in the Watford game but it's something that that Silva's gonna have to sort sooner rather than later. Um, you know, the, the the team's got two tough games coming up in City and and uh Tottenham uh in their next two. But then the three after that are are Burnley, uh Leicester, and I don't remember who the one in the middle is. Um
2: I'll check Brighton. It's Brighton. Yeah. yeah.
1: So three teams that, you know, are are lower half, more or less teams that are going to present, you know, a same kind of challenge that we saw against Newcastle and we saw against Watford. And I mean, if if Everton drops more points in those games as they have in these uh, and, and United or Bournemouth have a good, you know, December period uh, run, we could be looking at being, you know, seven or eight points out of sixth place by the time the new year hits. And, and that's going to be tough for this team to overcome.
2: Yeah. And to your point, the schedule stays cushy even after that Leicester game on New Year's. You've, it's uh, Lincoln City in the FA Cup, then Bournemouth, then Southampton, then Huddersfield, then Wolves, then Watford. Like there's a really big stretch of games here to where it's kind of getting to be put up or shut up time in terms of what this team's ceiling really is.
1: Yeah and and it's again you know goes back to the fact that this team had gotten results in most of its matches like these up to this point in the season and it's it's going to be vital that Silva figures out what they did right in those games and and wrong in this one and get it right because the more points that you drop in matches like this the more pressure you're putting on yourself to find a way to get results in Games like away to City or home to Tottenham, which are matches that, you know, like United has has already dropped, uh, dropped those points. So if you can make up those points on United in those games, you know, that's that's great. But really, yeah. the, the thing that's going to determine whether or not this team can stay top six. Is, is not going to be what they do against those big clubs. It's going to be taking care of business against the smaller ones. It,
2: it is, and you know, I I think this, people are going to scream, be screaming this from the rooftops that uh, we need more players in January. We need a right winger. We need a striker. I don't think that that's going to fix the problem at hand here, um, because what you're doing is you're dropping in if you are buying attackers in January. Those players have even less experience in this system and with their teammates than Lukman and Tosin do. So I think there's if that does happen, people are going to end up frustrated come February March that they haven't assimilated. I, I think the problem is a little bit more basic than just needing new talent. Yeah,
1: and, and, you know, I, the, the 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 ultimate point that I, I drove at in in the analysis that uh, it's it's up now, so it'll certainly it'll be up on this site. Um, by the time this is, this is published, um, is, is basically that, that what we've seen in the last two games are that we're starting to see cracks in, in silver ball for, for lack of a better term. Because, you know, what we've wanted to do all season is knock the ball out wide, let the wingers get forward, let the fullbacks get forward, let them do their thing. Um, and then work the ball into the box from there. And we've seen it work. Uh, you know, you, you look at uh, Andre Gomish's assist to to Richarlison for the first goal against Watford, which is, you know, a, a great, great play, uh, you know, coming from out wide to into the center. But it's a pullback cross. It's something where, where somebody's getting out wide and looking to pick somebody out. What we're seeing too much is that teams are happy to let us get the ball down into the corner and just whip hopeful crosses into the box because we're playing with Richarlison at striker uh who is you know very good in the air for 5 foot 10 but he's still 5 foot 10 he's not a guy that's going to win you lots of balls uh in the air in the box against big strong center backs um and the more that we continue to play this way the more that teams are going to be happy to say you go ahead we're going to let you take that ball out wide and just not give you any easy balls back into the center and trust that our center backs are going to outjump your strikers uh, yeah, and they're right.
2: They are right to do that. And I was telling Gino before before we hit record that that Richarlison goal against Watford is kind of the platonic ideal of how I would like to see us attack. Right. You know, you're building up through multiple players. It's not all focused on one guy. Uh, you, it's utilizing Andre Gomez's passing ability and Richarlison when he doesn't have to think about it. If he just gets into position and it's all kind of immediate, for lack of a better term, he's really good at that kind of finishing. And yeah, it was definitely offside. Theo Walcott should not have touched that ball, but on on its face, I think that 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 provides kind of a window into into seeing how you might be successful on a more permanent basis.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that the thing that I would want to be saying to Silva about that that goal is that uh, it it starts in the central channel and then it comes out right. Yep. Um, we have 22% of Everton's possession in the attacking third this season has been in the central channel. Only Wolves, Huddersfield, and Brighton spend less of their time in the attacking third in the center of the pitch. Uh, and none of those teams have friggin' Gilfie Sigurdsson. Uh, the, right. The extent to which, on a week-to-week basis, we are isolating Sigurdsson to the point where he's he's almost got no impact on the game whatsoever is asinine. It's completely ridiculous. If you've got uh, that kind of player, you need to be getting him on the ball. And you know, earlier in the season, the issue that we were having was that that we couldn't get the ball to him in those areas because of the struggles that we were having with our central midfielders and their passing. Now. You know, we can beat the Ghana. Can't pass, you know, like a dead horse until the end of time. Uh, but Andre Gomes can, um, yes, and, and he's also good enough on the dribble that that if if defenses are doubling down on not allowing Sigurdsson to get the ball via the pass, that he's good enough to carry the ball in space through the central channel as well. Um, and Silva needs to look at the results of these two games and go, okay. I know I like to build through the wings. I know I like to have my guys whip in crosses at the tune of 24 crosses a game, mind you, which is the most in the league. But at a certain point, you've got to look at your lineup and say, my most consistent player, my my best player week to week, is going to have to be Gilfie Sigurdsson, and i got to get this guy the ball. And he didn't do it against Newcastle enough. He didn't do it against Watford enough. And the result was that for long stretches of both of those games, we could barely even get out of our own half. Because we weren't using our best play, our best ball progressors, to to get the ball forward, and we weren't finding our most dangerous playmakers when we got the ball into the attacking third.
2: Yeah, it just feels it feels a little bit criminal to me because, it, and I don't know about you guys, but Sigurdson's quality both on and off the ball is is pretty evident, right? Like mm-hmm. the there's no real need to be force feeding it to Seamus Coleman, the playmaker. It it it's it's a little bit inexplicable. Like I said, I don't know why there's this continued need to do that when there's considerably better options available to you. And you know, like I I appreciate that they're going to Gomez more, and I think that that does help. But you know, if you were making a list of the best number tens in the Premier League, Sigurdsson would be what top six or seven, maybe top five, and they're just ignoring it's Probably him. higher yeah.
1: than that. <laughs>
2: All all right, right. I was also
1: having that that thought today while while I was writing this this post and you know when you think about that, that not not even not all of the teams above us in the standings necessarily utilize a, a true ten as a ten um, so I, I think that Sigurdsson ultimately might even even rank higher than that but you know the the point is what it is and and I think that it's unfair equally. To our wingers. And now what, what have we said over the past two matches? When we saw Richarlison go back out wide against Newcastle and he wasn't very good there. Bernard has not recently, uh, done a ton. Uh, Theo Walcott looks completely devoid of confidence and Adam Ola Lookman, who was a guy that, that we were all clamoring to, to get a chance against Newcastle. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. He, he, he okay. just didn't do
2: anything to make me think that, oh, he should definitely start over Theo.
1: But but again, now we've seen that from every, every winger that we have, and you yeah. wonder to what extent it is the case because we are forcing the ball to them so actively, and we're not giving these guys an opportunity to make runs off the ball, to uh, get into space. Where a guy like Lukman, who you know is so dangerous one v one on the dribble, and, and the same with Richarlison when he's out left, you, you know how dangerous they are. But teams are just going to stack up against you, and, and you're getting your fullbacks so far forward that they're kind of uh, they're not certainly not creating space for those guys because they're trying to overlap past them. Uh, and, and the result is now we've got four wingers who we think are good, good to great players in. Walcott, Lookman, Bernard, and Richarlison, and none of whom have looked particularly good out wide in a month or more. That's that's a problem.
2: I, and I do think that, like even Bernard and Theo Walcott, especially yesterday, they looked fine. I, I've been impressed with with Bernard, especially, and you know Theo's kind of a different discussion. But there's no production whatsoever. So at some point, you have to kind of stop thinking about it in terms of how they look. Nothing's happening
0: yeah yeah and I think that um you know with our wingers we we, we get like you guys were saying we get in that white area and we, we kind of just we get ourselves into trouble because now you got defenders trapping us in that corner and we can't pass out of it we don't use Gilfie enough and 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 we don't you know Gilfie often passes the ball outside and or, or Gomez passes the ball we try and work the ball up the right or left side and, and and we get down to that that final third, and we can't do anything with it. We pass it to the middle, but by the time we get back against these lesser teams, um, you know, they 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 have their low block down. They have all their players down there, and we're not putting any balls uh, through really the the middle of the field. We're not nobody's making any creative runs. There's nothing creative being done on the offensive side of the ball in that final third to really open up space. Against these, these teams that are going to throw a little blocks down against you like the Newcastles. Um, but, you know, we, I, th- I think we've basically covered all the points about Newcastle. We were the better game. We just couldn't break it down. Uh, we couldn't, we couldn't, um, really, we, we just couldn't finish. Couldn't get anything to us and it resulted in a draw, uh, despite owning multiple, uh, most of the game. But, I, I, moving on to Watford, I think that was a little bit different and I think we can all agree that it was unlike Newcastle and where Everton were definitely not the better team. Uh, you know, Watford took it to us and it required us to get an offside goal, um, along with a, a beautiful free kick from Luke, Lucas Digne to get, uh, you know, to get a point out of that game. What do you guys think the trouble was here against a team like Watford who I think we can all agree we should be beating?
1: Well, let's let's just start by taking a moment to appreciate the true wonder, joy, and awe that is Lucas Digne, because uh <laughs> whew, that free kick was a delight. And as much uh, as have... there are a lot of negatives to talk about here, I think we all need to just take a moment and go that that is that was really good, and that is a guy that is that is young and is, seems to be invested in the Everton project. And, and he's here, and he's ours, and he's definitely one of the best uh, best left-backs in the Premier League, uh, without yeah, a
2: doubt. He, he said after the game, you know, I like scoring, but I would have rather won. And I'm like, oh, yes, Lucas, talk to me. Um, <laughs> and I've also seen a, uh, some people be like, oh, that's just bad goalkeeping by Ben Foster. Well, here's the thing. If you put that ball where Lucas Digne puts it, there's David De Gea is not getting to it. Like he froze it, the bejesus out of Foster, and it's just like, what are you gonna do? Nothing.
1: Yeah, and especially and her kick that's that's in so tight. Um, as a keeper, if if you're cheating more to that far post than Ben Foster was, Dinya's just gonna put it over the wall and curl it into the far post where you know where the the post that that Foster was standing at because he's clearly evidently you know, got that quality on the dead ball. Um So I I, I think, yeah, I, to me, I, I'm not really asking a whole lot of questions about the goalkeeping there because if you no. overcommit to one side, he's going to go to the other. And we saw plays like that with um Joel Robles in goal for Everton on more than one occasion where if you cheat as a goalie against the
2: player who's got that much quality, He's going to catch you cheating and he's going to make you pay for it. There's, there's no goalkeeping questions, but do you think that Barcelona are asking some questions of themselves right now?
1: Uh, yeah, I think they probably should be. And you know what? PSG also probably should
2: be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the PSG have a bigger left back problem than uh, Barcelona do. Yeah, exactly. Um, but
1: I mean, insofar as, as this game, uh, in particular, was concerned, you know. I, I think that it was a continuation of of a lot of the issues from the Newcastle game that that we talked about um, against a, a team in Watford that that has more more talent on the whole than um, than Newcastle does, and they ultimately made us pay for that. Um, it, it's just not consistently good enough, and it's completely lacking. In a plan B when plan A isn't working, uh, and that's a problem, and that that you know that is ultimately going to come back on the manager. And I'm real interested to see, like I said, the City match, the Tottenham match are two completely different ball games uh, against two teams that that have more talent. Uh, City has a lot more talent, and Tottenham has slightly more talent than um, than Everton. But but when we get into that run of uh, games against uh, bottom table teams. That's, that's gonna be the time that tells us, I think, uh, if Marco Silva is, is gonna be a guy who can, can really carry this team forward in a big way.
2: Yeah, and, and as Gino alluded to, Everton got a result out of this watch for match from two fairly fortuitous happenings. Um, Richarlison's goal probably shouldn't have counted and Denny's goal is a kind of a, a miracle moment of quality and it also bears noting that this is about the time last year where Silva Watford and Marco Silva to hit the wall after starting off hot and uh, you know my personal theory is that that was because Everton were all up in his business and trying to get him to come join them and he, you know things got distracted and kind of collapsed from there but it does bear noting you know is this is this a manager who can get going in in you know fits and starts or do we have something long term
1: Yeah, and that's, that will ultimately be, I think, you know, I think that the next three or four weeks, and I said it at the start of December too, that this is going to be such an informative, uh, period for us, because we're seeing a little bit of everything. We're seeing, yeah, some, some stiff competition, but also the sort of matches that historically Everton has not found a way to win, as was the case this week. And that when we get to the end of the season are the matches that you look back at. And when you're, you know, three points, five points out of a Europa League spot or out of a whatever spot you're aiming for, you look back at, at that Wolves game and, and at that, that Newcastle game and you go, hell, how did we lose to that team at, or not lose? It felt like a lost Freudian slip. If I've ever uh, heard one, um, how did we draw those teams at home? Uh, at that point of the season
0: well and, and I think that's a good thing to look at it's if you look at the games that we have uh played on our schedule, you have home draws against Watford, Newcastle, and Huddersfield, and then a home loss to West Ham mm-hmm. that's what is that six nine dropped points against teams that we should be beating at home you know the home the home home is where you're supposed to be able to come play well, and get results that you should be able to get. You go on the road and you play these these teams that may be a little pesky at home. Um, it's a little bit more acceptable, but when you come home and you're playing these teams that you should be able to beat, they have to be wins and you can't be dropping points. I mean, draws against Huddersfield, uh, Newcastle, and and Watford are games we can't be drawing. And they're going to come back and bite us in the end because we failed to get points at home.
1: You know, and and I think that the the biggest turnaround from last year to this year in terms of raw points gained has been matches against those kind of teams away. Um, Our our home record against the against lower teams last year was was actually pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know, everything being relative and obviously the performances made you want to blow your brains out, even if the um, if the the result was there, but I'm, I'm just looking at the, you know, the, the rundown of matches last year and really the, the only loss that Everton had um home to a not very good team was, was Burnley. Um You know, the rest of the way they were primarily picking up points. Now we, the road form last year was abysmal and, you know, we we talked about that at at Infinitum at the start of the season, and we've seen an improvement there. But uh, <laughs> if you get one and drop the other, that's not really an improvement. That's a trade-off. And the way that that this team wants to move up, we can't be having that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and just you know, moving on here. We do. We talked about this a little bit. You guys mentioned how how we're only getting two goals from these player from or we're only getting goals from two players, which is an issue and does play into us not really getting wins against these teams at home. Uh, we're mainly only getting goals from and Sigurdsson on a consistent basis. What do we need to do? And Chris, we'll go to you. What really needs to change? to get the others contributing um, is is it benchings transfers is there something that we can do right now do we need to wait till the January transfer window to figure this out and start getting production from all over the pit instead of just those two areas
2: yeah so as i mentioned a little bit ago i do not think that the the talent level is a problem and what i mean by that is uh, uh, you know buying a new right winger or buying a new striker i don't think will necessarily fix it i think it's more to adam's point the analysis um Today that Everton have got to start creating chances centrally more often. You you don't want to have to rely on Bernard or Theo Walcott to be carrying the ball into the dangerous areas and then also creating their own shot. And I mean, you know, with Walcott outside of a you know a, a stretch with the with David Unsworth in the under twenty threes where he can just dominate and see some stuff go in the back of the net, it, it feels like with I, I'm not going to ask for a lot of goal scoring from Bernard, but with Walcott, it just feels like he just needs one or two to go in, um, kind of like a, a, a three point shooter in basketball. To where you know, it, it, right now the net looks like it's really tiny to him, and if he could just get a, a tap in or you know a, a ball bounces off of his ass or whatever the case may be, he's just got to get some sort of a break.
1: Well, yeah, and, and yeah, and and, and to, to your point on um, on adding a, a striker, you know, we've we've talked about. Uh, that, that the, the game plan kind of for Everton has, has been getting the ball into these wide areas and getting it into the box. And I know we've, we've seen some talk about, you know, is, is Tozun the right type of striker, you know, for this, for this team, for the way that Silva wants to play in his, in his career since 2014, uh, Tozun has 59 goals for clubbing, uh, just for club, excuse me. Um, in 150-ish appearances, 14 of those are with his head. So, you know, he's not a great header of the ball, but he's not a bad header of the ball either. This is a guy who who can get on the end of crosses. And when you see that you've got a guy like Tozun and, and a guy like Dom, who is also very good in the air, uh and you, you look at, well, if the game plan is to create chances out wide and get the ball into the box out wide, and we've got strikers that should be able to head the ball and we're still not getting goals, then something is breaking down before the service is happening or in the way that the service is being provided. And I don't think that a different striker is going to fix that problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, short of signing Robert Lewandowski, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I don't think that's going to help. I guess I would be interested a little bit to see, uh, Dom start from the start from the off in games, mm-hmm. just because I, I've not nothing that he's done this season has made me any less high on him. When he gets in the games and gets a good run of minutes, he's he's still scoring like he did last season. And you know, Chink may have a little bit of the the walkout disease to him where nothing's going in, but Dom has just not played enough for that to that disease to strike him. And I think that maybe if they're going to if Silva is on continuing to whip crosses in, Calvert Lewin may be the play. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: And, and and we, if you look at it, really since we've started talking about this issue of our strikers really not being able to score and us not getting production and it costing us and missing opportunities, Dom has played no more than the 24 minutes that he's he played yesterday uh, in any of like the last eight games. I think I think it is. Uh, so you know he's really not getting the opportunity to go out and prove himself uh, as a true striker and an option. But another issue does become. If you're putting a chank or a uh, dom up top, you have to move Richarlison out to the left. And we've all talked about how poor of a crosser of the ball Richarlison is. And that does play into the ball not getting into the box. And, and you know, Seamus not having his best games, not crossing the ball in. Well, another person unable to put the ball into the box. So, again, to reiterate your point, it may not be about the striker. It may be about the crosses and the quality of those crosses. Coming into the box because we do, like Adam said, cross the ball more than any team in the league, but we're not getting any production out of it.
1: Yeah, um, and and it's, and that's now, exactly, and it's not even, um, it's it, part of it is about the quality of of the crossing, sure. Um, but I mean, it, even even on a a bigger uh, a broader view than that, it, it's not even about the quality of the crosses; it's about the predictability of the play. Um. That if teams know that that's what you're going to do, even if you get guys out into wide positions and they can get a decent cross in, you know, if if a center back knows, you know, I don't have to worry about a pullback. I don't have to worry about this guy trying to, you know, fleece my uh, fleece, the the opposing fullback or his fullback to dribble the ball into the box. All he's going to do is he's going to body up on the central striker and he's going to make it really, really tough for him to to win a ball in the air. And that's very easy to do. When you know you're playing a team that whips in 24 crosses a game. Um, so, so it's, it's a lot of factors that go into it.
0: Very true. Very true. Now, uh, you know, we've talked, talked about Wadford and, and Newcastle in two games that we can go on ad nauseum about, uh, the, the problems that we saw, but I think we've covered everything really in, in the dis, in two disappointing draws at home against two teams we felt we could have gotten six points of and, and, Clearly documented, as I think all of us picked us to uh, win in the in the podcast previous to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on now to the uh, final game, we're going to talk about the final topic: uh, our man, our game against City on uh, on the weekend. And I mean, I think there's no real debate about from anyone really what can happen in this game. Despite City, they're they're they are very injured: Aguero, David Silva, De Bruyne, Danilo. A lot of players on them are are a lot of players on their team are are injured, but I don't think we can fall into this false sense of security that we might have a chance. Hurt City is still Manchester City, and, and Everton will probably
1: lose this game, right? Yeah, I, I mean it's it's uh, it's real tough to see a way that this team goes into the Etihad, um, and and even nicks a point. Um, and you know, and and credit to Silva. Who's who's had his teams show up really well against Arsenal against United against Liverpool and against Chelsea you know you could pretty easily argue that they should have at least had a point from two of those games uh and and that's all well and good um but even though yes I know Liverpool is ahead of Manchester City in this in the table right now uh city's in another class um and yeah, I think yeah, that that's,
2: that's that's not gonna last
1: yeah exactly that although we we stuck with liverpool tight at anfield um no disrespect to liverpool who's got a very very good team um city's in another class and doing doing that against city is a completely different proposition to doing it at liverpool um and, and at, you know when we played liverpool we saw silva at, at times play pretty aggressively uh, if you do that against city they will end you and it will be a bloodbath so, you know, expect to see 10 guys behind the ball most of the way, and, you know,
2: <laughs> it is what it yeah. is. I And I, what I'll add to that, which I agree with, is just that anybody should come out of this match feeling like they've – Feeling like this is some big commentary on Everton's ability or where they're going to finish this season. It's okay to go to Manchester City and get your ass beat. Like that's that that happens to everybody, and it's not like some some big issue with Everton's ambition if they come come out of this game and lose three nil or four to one or whatever. That that's just going to happen. And you kind of have to take it for what it is and, and move on.
0: Yeah, and and I think that uh you know. In the end we there's more that we can uh be disappointed about in the previous two matches than really in this one. This one, I think we all expect to go into lose and even before these last two matches, we expected that we may have been talking maybe with a little bit more positivity um about this game, but still expecting to lose no matter what no matter
1: what uh what happened the last two matches let's, um and, and those and let's are really just, the uh, let's just put a numerical point on this uh City has played eight Premier League games um, at home so far this season. They are eight and zero with a goal differential of twenty-five. They have scored thirty times and conceded five in Premier League games at home this season. So, um,
2: I think I'm going to make some plans for Saturday morning. Good luck! I don't know about you good guys. luck! It's a nice early kickoff
1: for all of us here in the U.S. so that we can get all the misery out of the way at the start. And then go out, just go out with our day. It'll be
2: great. <laughs> yeah, I might, uh, I might sleep in, uh, after, after that hearing that stat. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, that's, that
0: doesn't normally bode well for us, uh, in any situation, but real quick guys, before we go into predictions and, and, and close out the podcast for today, what do you guys think, if anything, we can learn from this match? And, and Adam, we'll start with you.
1: Um, I'm a little interested to see, um, how the center backs deal with the constant pressure. We've not put ourselves in a spot very often this year where they've had to deal with wave after wave of attack. Um, and you had, you have to say that on the whole, Keane, Mina and, and Zuma have all, um, been pretty good this season. Uh, you know, Mina a little bit shaky in the last couple of games, but you know, everything's a work in progress and, and all that. So regardless of, of which, uh, center backs he sends out there. I think it could be Keane and Zuma or Keane and Mina. Um, I'm just interested to see how they fare ultimately. If this is a game where ultimately, you know, those guys help to keep this close and we only concede, you know, two to City, that's probably a big win for the center backs. And it's it's another sign of the progress that we've made in terms of building a back line that can stand up to the scrutiny of the Premier League week in and week out.
2: Yeah, I'm also interested in that, but I'm going to go a little bit more mainstream. I'm going to dip my toes into like peak Everton Twitter and Facebook here, so I might trigger Adam a little bit. Okay. Um, I think this is an important game for Seamus Coleman. He's uh, the showing against Watford own goal, own goal aside was not good. And uh, Leroy Sane has been in maybe better form than any attacker in the league over the last month or so. And If Sheamus shows to the ability that I think we all know he can, um, you know, I'm just going to brush this one off. But if there's another – if he's got another 90 minutes of crapping his pants in him, I'm going to at least start to keep an eye on the alarm bells, if not ring them entirely.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting match. I mean obviously not much we can take – from an attacking standpoint, just because we're not going to be on the ball as much. I agree, Adam. I think this is going to be an interesting game for our defense in general In um, the center backs. Uh, see how they can deal with this city team, who is, again, one of the best attacking teams, if not the best attacking team uh, in the entire Premier League. See if we can um, see, see how well they can hold up and how organized we can be defensively uh, after a couple um, games of, of a little bit kind of chaos back there on a, on a couple different instances but real quick guys finishing things up let's give predictions here chris uh
2: pain death destruction the grim reaper um i'm going to say 3 3 to 1 um I, I in manchester city's center backs are really good in their system but i think they're Lack of individual quality might allow us to nick one late when it doesn't matter, but overall, I think this is gonna be this is gonna be a whooping.
1: Adam, um, I'll uh, I'll go two nil. I think um, I think that we'll be pleasantly surprised um by the showing that we ultimately get from the defense, and I think that we'll get about eight touches in the attacking third all game. Uh, I agree with Chris ultimately uh, that you know individually. When when you get them isolated, uh, city center backs are generally gettable. Uh, I just don't see any way, uh, particularly with the way that, that this team has played over the last week, uh, that we can string enough passes together to get them isolated to that spot. But I think that the defense will make us feel better than we might expect going into this. So uh, I'll give you a 2-0 city.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit more pessimistic than both of you guys. I don't think we get a goal. I think we probably come up three. Um, so I'm going to go with three nothing uh, towards uh, City. I don't think we're really, again, a lot of it's based on the last two performance, but I don't think we see much uh, in this game that we're too pleased with. I think we probably get exposed at the back at least a few times and uh, it results in a three nothing uh, defeat. But now that we're all depressed and I'm probably going to have to go stress eat my way uh, out of this. Um, that's all the time we have for you guys. Uh, keep listening. Chris and Adam, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll be on again next week after a hopefully not too horrible city defeat. So we'll uh, talk to you guys next